0: All righty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter podcast for Wednesday, the 13th of April, 2022. Happy hump day to you. hope you get humped. I am joined, before we get on with the program, I'm joined by Bailey. Go ahead say hello. <laughs> you, don't, you don't eat the microphone. And you don't just just talk into it. Say hello everybody. Hello! You don't normally talk like that. Talk like you normally talk.
1: No.
0: <laughs> Alright, you goofball. And Quinn is here as well. Say hello Quinn.
1: Hello everybody.
0: Say how y'all doing?
1: How are y'all doing? All right.
0: Bailey, are you going to speak at all like a normal person? Hello. Nope. <laughs> all right. Tell everybody, have a good week and have, uh, have fun. Have a good
1: week and having fun.
0: Hello. All right. Well, they wanted to f- I spent the day uh, getting uh, near heat stroke with them in the backyard. I'm cramping up right now. I recorded this earlier because it was a... Supposed to be a nice day and I'd promise them playing outside while I did yard work and I didn't drink enough water and I got too hot and now I'm like I'm past it now. But uh my legs cramping up and ah, oh, heart was racing. Yes what?
1: I think there's big eyes on that picture frame.
0: Yeah, that's the replacements. Someday you'll learn good music.
1: But but why is there a small idea and a big
0: one? Because uh, it's a drawing by the drummer Chris Mars. Hey, uh, tell everybody who your favorite band is. Uh, the Go-Go's. That's right. During dinner, she was requesting the Go-Go's yeah. and dancing around to it. So you got good taste in music, Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And Bailey has, uh, I don't know, problems. Bailey, want to say anything? Bah. All right. You realize this is an audio medium, not video, so your weird faces and everything don't really register. You got to speak. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Thank you both having to get on with the program because we got a lot to get to. Like I said, this was recorded earlier in the uh, day because of promises made to those kids. It was uh, looking at the uh, the information on the shooting, the terror attack in New York is a guy called Frank James. They're looking for a person of interest. So that's good. That's an update. Okay, let's talk.
1: Hello, everyone. Sing. I love, the, I love the daddy. All
0: right, and daddy loves you, too. All right. I didn't pay her for that, but I'm paying. For, all right, yes, Quinn.
1: Well, I
0: want to hear you, my, my singing. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you got your father's voice. All right. Nice. all right. I I'm not know. People need to get on with the program. Tell nice. them all to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast and sign up there. And maybe we'll do a whole 10-minute show with just the two of you there. You can say it. That's why you said yeah all right patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast I'm going to go to the pre-recorded thing before my children yeah I'm trying to get it done so you ruin everything before you ruin everything and we'll get hot with that good lord now on with the show we got uh, some inflationary news today. that's the big breaking news story is the numbers are out and it's not pretty god is it The Biden administration is so inept, so incompetent. The only thing they're good at is actively trying to deflect the trouble they know they're going to get into. They actively try. I've got to cut here on a play before we get to Mika. Morning Joe, the Morning Joe crew had uh, Mika. She was sentenced to announce the the jobs or the uh, inflation numbers. But in preparation for this, I want to play you two minutes, almost not quite two minutes of Ginger Goebbels yesterday talking about what they know is coming down the pipe, talking about these. Now, theoretically, the administration isn't supposed to know about these numbers until the whole world knows about these numbers. There are certain things you could the stock market is going to react to the, the jobs numbers if people have uh, heads up a day ahead of time they could make moves in their portfolios and benefit themselves and all the stuff that well everything that members of congress do on a regular basis already so they're they're not supposed to have access to these numbers but they get heads up they know plus they can see the writing on the wall even though the people who work at the white house are committed leftists and uh, economically illiterate um Socialists—they do go to the grocery store. They do drive cars. They're not all plug-in hybrids or plug-in anything. They are automobiles. They buy gas. They buy food. They have children, and so they notice these. Now they're mostly wealthy, so they don't—they're re- not really bothered by them. But they do notice them because they recognize that their uh, financial future depends on it. You know, can I afford to stay in this job or do I have to jump ship and start my MSNBC show now? You know, that those sorts of questions. Ginger Goebbels reck- wrestled with that one already for herself. But um, so they know what's coming. And so the day before the jobs number, the uh, I keep saying jobs numbers. The day before the uh, inflation numbers were announced, Ginger Goebbels took the unprecedented step of – denouncing the numbers and bl- assigning blame already without even knowing what they were. And of course, it's the Putin price hike. Now, remember, when this started with the war in Ukraine, which nobody seems to be paying attention to anymore, and the media sort of pays it lip service, but it is not the top-of-the-line story that it was, I think. You know, we, we really do have a short attention span. But um, when it started... It was the gas prices, right? It was the gas. The gas prices are the cause of well, the gas prices going up. We're all Putin's fault. It's all Putin's fault, Vladimir. Damn you! It's the Putin price hike, price hike, and we're going to release oil from the strategic petroleum reserve to uh, alleviate the Putin price hike. And now they're saying that uh, now this is ridiculous. The Biden administration is now going to allow the uh, E15 or E85 blend the corn ethanol stuff. They're going to allow that. They don't generally allow that in uh, summer months because of pollution factors. I don't claim to understand it. It doesn't seem to matter. The minor uh, increase in CO2 emissions from this, plus it does damage to the automobile. Honestly, it really does. But uh, they're going to allow that to be sold throughout the year to try and alleviate see it's it's like saying there's a wine shortage we've only we normally have uh, 200,000 gallons of wine but we only have 100,000 gallons of wine so to alleviate the wine shortage we're going to allow water to be poured into the wine we're going to let them cut the wine therefore there's more wine theoretically you just have to define down what wine is That's what they're doing with this, although they're doing this at a time when they're warning us of potential food shortages, (laughs) right? Food shortages because Ukraine is the breadbasket of the world, and now we're going to take more food, we're going to take more corn, and we're going to dump it into our gas tanks. Now, the corn farmers in the United States absolutely love this because they get subsidized up the yin-yang for these sorts of things, but it is not a solution. What would be a solution? Yeah, here's the story. NPR. President Biden will announce today that his administration will temporarily allow E15 gasoline, gasoline that uses a 15% ethanol blend that is typically banned for sale from June to September, to be sold this summer. So we're going to take more food at a time when food inflation is through the roof. And we're going to make that shortage go to the food So that he can say, I've lowered gas prices, even though it won't really lower gas prices. It'll just uh, maybe keep gas prices where they are. It's more of a maintain thing. Now, this this was a Putin price hike. You'd just blame Putin, but it's not. This is the Biden administration's policies. How do I know that? Because there's an obvious solution. Instead of watering down the gasoline with corn, you could allow for more drilling of oil. You could allow for more uh, aggressive drilling of oil. And you can sit there and you say, well, Derek, that doesn't, that's about the future that we wouldn't see any results for a while. We would see results in the very near future, not immediate, although there would be some ramifications to the immediate gasoline. The price of crude oil is based on the gasoline uh, prices based on the price of crude oil. The price of crude oil is based on the futures market. The oil that we're refining right now was bought months ago. The gasoline that we are pumping into our cars was bought months ago. It's usually about a six-month lag time. Prices are based on the future. If you say we are going to double our capacity to refine and double our, ability, our the amount of oil we're taking out of the ground. We're going to move hell or high water. We're going to waive regulations. We're going to do everything we possibly can to suck as much of that sweet, sweet crude out of the ground as possible and get it into your cars as quickly as possible. That would have a near immediate impact on the price of gasoline. It would. But the Biden administration can't do that because it would have an immediate impact on the favorability ratings of Joe Biden amongst the radical leftists. So they end up with this garbage. Where they go, you can dump corn in there. Anyway, back to uh, Ginger Goebbels. I just thought that was interesting. We get more into that maybe in a bit. But Ginger Goebbels yesterday in anticipation of the horrible, horrible, awful, terrible inflation numbers year over year is awful, terrible, terrible, 8.5%. Um, did you get an? If unless you got an 8.6% raise or above, you are now behind where you were a year ago. Thanks to Joe Biden. Joe Biden was president both times and it's all his policies fault, but that's beside the point. Ginger Goebbel's in preparation for this. Listen to this and count how many times she says Putin price hike and how many pre deflections she engages in here.
2: Because of the actions we've taken to address uh, Putin, the Putin price hike, we are in a better place than we were last month. Um, but we expect March CPA, CPI headline inflation to be extraordinarily elevated due to Putin's price hike. And we expect a large difference between core and headline inflation reflecting the global disruptions in energy and food markets. So Core infla- inflation doesn't include energy and food prices. Uh, headline inflation does. And of course we know that core inflation you know, energy, the impact of energy, of course, on oil prices, gas prices. We expect that to uh, continue to reflect what we've seen in uh, the increases be over the course of this invasion. And just as an example, since President Putin's military buildup accelerated in January, average gas prices are up more than 80 cents. Most of the increase uh, occurred in the month of March, and at times, gas prices were more than a dollar above pre-invasion level. So that roughly 25% increase in gas prices will drive tomorrow's inflation reading. And certainly, it's not a surprise to us, but we certainly think it will be reflected. And in March, again, to give you a point of comparison, the average cost of a barrel of oil was around $110 that's compared to about $75 at the beginning of the year. So we expect this to all be reflected as we look at the data uh, tomorrow. Uh, I will say that any time there is heightened uh, monthly data uh, or uh, inflation uh, reporting or numbers, it is a reminder to us, to uh, our, our allies on the Hill and hopefully to many of the American people that we need to do more to reduce costs for the American people people. Uh we have of course uh legislation that could do exactly that, cut the cost of child care, of health care, of elder care. These all have enormous impacts on people's budgets, uh, on when they're, you know, doing those calculations at their kitchen table and, and certainly this data will be a reminder of uh the uh the need to do something and take additional steps.
0: <laughs> you gotta love it. Oh it costs significantly more now, eight and a half percent uh over last year to you know, fill your car, fill your your stomach, heat your house, cool your house, whatever. But we can take steps now to reduce the, the price of uh, your child care. First of all, there are a lot of people out there who don't have children. Secondly, she's not talking about some sort of untapped resource of child care professionals the government is keeping behind glass that they can say, well, it's an emergency. Let's break that glass. No. We're talking about government subsidies talking about the taxpayers you and me everybody picking up more of the tab spending more money on it that worked out so well in the education system hasn't it where the 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 cost of education higher education has skyrocketed and every single year the government says well we're going to spend more because cost of education has gone so high we're going to put five thousand dollars a semester into the Pell Grant system. That should cover the tuition and the schools go, well, all right, well, we're going to raise our tuition to $5,000 a semester. And then they go, oh, my God, it's so big. We have to go to $6,000 a semester next year and the schools will go, you know what, we'll go to six. Well, 6000 Sounds better than 5000 anyway. You do the same thing with child care. You start subsidizing it, you get more of it. If the government says, we're going to pay half of it, well, then it's just like I was talking about yesterday with Medicaid and how states love spending on Medicaid when times are good because for 50 cents, they get a dollar's worth of benefits. If they say, we're going to subsidize half of your child care, then they go, well, this is great. We're helping people, and the uh, providers go, this is great. Now we can raise our rates, and we're only really raising it half on the people who are actually dropping their kids off, because the government's picking up the other half. And why not push that envelope? Make hay while the sun is shining. They're all prepared for these horrible numbers today. Mika Brzezinski, glassy-eyed, Lord knows what she did last night, but uh, she's always Joe. Must not really like his wife very much. She's always the one who's tapped to, to give this bad news, to the to their I would say to the world, but to their dwindling audience, to their tiny audience. She's the one always tapped to do that. And here she is. She does it. She reads the teleprompter like a champion. There is no injection of uh, her opinion. But you know it kills her. And I also, if I remember correctly, I also believe she doesn't mention. The name Biden at all—that's one of the uh, the tricks of the trade. We'll get to in a second. The media is quite good at separating the Democrats from the the responsibilities for the actions of Democrats. It's it's quite skillful. But uh, here's Mika this morning breaking the hearts of her audience. New
2: measure of just how much inflation is soaring, and the numbers are staggering. The consumer price index jumped 8.5 percent in March from 12 months earlier. That is the biggest year over year growth in 40 years. You have to go back to 1981 to see a similar jump in the costs of food, gasoline and housing. As the AP frames it, the economic squeeze is effectively wiping out the pay raises that many people have received. And that's probably just the beginning.
0: Probably just the beginning, Mika, you're right. Who's president? How is this possible? These numbers didn't exist during the Trump administration, but had they, you could be certain that it would have been. Trump's policies have failed us yet again. Now, if you look at the trend lines, this is not good for the Biden administration. So it is going to take an extraordinary amount of turd polishing. Oh, yes, forgive my crudeness. But they say you can't polish a turd. But boy, howdy, these Democrats in the media are certainly going to have to spend at least today, and tomorrow, trying to. If You go back all the way to one year ago, March 2021, the consumer price index inflation, essentially, was at about 2.6%, 2.6%. Then it started inching up. In April, it was over four percent, was four point one percent. How did that happen? What happened there? Boom! The next month, five percent, five and a half. Then it sort of stabilized for a couple of months, between five and six percent. And then in October, it went over six. Seeing the trend, it's going up and up and up. In uh, November, it was just under seven. In December, it was seven. January, it was seven and a half. In February, it was 7.8%, and now here we are at 8.5%. If those of you playing the home game are following along, that is a trend line that is pointing up and up and up. It has not even plateaued. It has not even plateaued. The only thing they're going to hang their hats on is what they have to do to find something to hang their hats on, aside from blaming Putin. They're going to blame Putin for everything. But they're going to do, uh, well, if you remove food and energy, if you remove gasoline, the cost of heating and lighting your home, the the cost of staying alive because food is, last I checked anyway, kind of necessary, the numbers are slightly lower. By slightly lower, I mean they're at about 6.5% instead of 8.5%. So if you can shave two percentage points off of it, then they're going to tout that. They're going to say, hey, you know what? Well, it was 6.4% in February. It's 6.5%. Now, that's, you know, it's starting to level off. It's not, because overall, when you include the things that you need to stay alive, which is kind of important... It uh, is gone from 7.9% to 8.5%. That's a significant jump. Because back to my old adage, if you control the unit of measure, you control everything. And Democrats are desperately trying to control the unit of measure because every unit of measure points out how awful they are and how bad their policies are. I want to talk about how this inflation number is being reported because the media does... A really poor job of it uh, they do all, well I guess it depends on what their objective is their objective is to protect Joe Biden and they're doing a good job of that I suppose Zeke Miller who is a reporter for the Associated Press so he is the official he, he supplies newspaper after newspaper after newspaper Washington, AP, U.S. inflation soared 8.5% over the past 12 months. Biggest spike since December 1981. That's the headline. Okay, who's president? How? Why? What have you? What, it doesn't matter. They're crafting the message. The headline goes out around the world before the story does. And the headline omits anything about who the president is, who's in control of government whatsoever. Think back to any bad economic news we got during the Trump administration, even during COVID, when it was obvious what the cause was. Was there any ambiguity about who the president was? Now, part of that was Donald Trump wasn't about to let anybody forget who the president was. But another big part of it was the media wasn't about to forget. Donald Trump wanted to frame it in his way and the media was going to frame it in their way. But they made sure that the news was not disconnected from the newsmaker. With Joe Biden, with Democrats, it is the I-wasn't-even-in-town-that-month presidency. I mean, this tradition this is a a long-standing tradition. Go back to the Barack Obama administration. Anytime there was bad news, it was, oh, man, the the Department of Justice announces or the uh, Department of Labor announces. It wasn't the Obama administration. And if you look back at the coverage of the scandals during the Obama administration, the IRS scandal, it was about the IRS. You would find a lot of stories, not all of them. They couldn't completely disconnect the fact that the IRS is in the Treasury Department, the Treasury Department is in the executive branch, and the executive branch is you know, headed by the President of the United States. But they did the best to separate that probably about 80% of the stories. So you could read a lot of stories about Lois Lerner and the IRS and only hear about how this was an IRS scandal. It wasn't a scandal involving the Obama administration. It was an IRS scandal, which is a bit odd, a bit curious, I would say, uh, that this rogue agency within the government was able to spy on and deny rights to conservative organizations all to benefit Barack Obama, but that never gets mentioned. Remember that? It was in 2012, and these nonprofits that had started in the wake of the Tea Party movement were seeking their tax exempt status. And Barack Obama's IRS suddenly started slow walking applications for their tax exempt status and denied. Them something like fifty six to one liberal to or conservative to liberal denial of organizations. Lois Lerner took more trips to the White House in her position at the IRS than her than every predecessor in that position before her in the course of about a year. It's weird how that worked out, but it was all just a weird coincidence that did not involve the executive branch. It certainly did not involve. Barack Obama. Nothing could involve Barack Obama. He is, of course, a saint. And it was reported as such. And Barack, who was Lois Lerner meeting at the White House? We don't know. Why was she at the White House so often? Who knows? It's one of those mysteries that the world may never figure out. But it was all there for the world to see, and the media did the best they could to make sure that the world didn't see it the way it was. It was Lois Lerner's scandal. Lois Lerner, by the way, was um, held in contempt of Congress for refusing to answer questions. If anybody in the Trump administration or the Bush administration refused to answer questions, what did we hear? Why well, this is rampant speculation, but it's probably, probably protecting higher ups, protecting the president. This is an admission of guilt here. Lois Lerner was held in contempt of Congress, and nothing came of it. Nothing came of it. The Eric Holder, Len Loretta Lynch, Justice Department under Barack Obama did not pursue any charges related to contempt of Congress charges against Lois Lerner. Weird, isn't it? Now... Trump administration officials are being held in contempt of Congress for not participating gleefully with the sham January 6th commission. And what's happening? The president on down are putting pressure on the attorney general to prosecute them. Prosecute. What's more important? Something that, uh, you know, some... Administration officials turn over their private personal phone records from a day where there was a three-hour riot on the Capitol. Nothing was ever really threatened. The Democrats have tried to weaponize and turn into the biggest scandal in all of American history. Bigger than 9-11, bigger than Pearl Harbor combined. Worse than the Civil War, my God. It was Jim Crow 4.0, as a matter of fact, January 6th. What's worse, that? or the scandal involving the targeting, the weaponization of the IRS. Or, if you need a body count, even though there was no body count on January 6th, aside from Ashley Babbitt, you could look at the Fast and Furious program. The Fast and Furious program, under Eric Holder, under Barack Obama, was the forced sale of weaponry to Mexican drug cartels. Theoretically, under the guise of anyway, that they wanted to see how these guns got trafficked back to Mexico. But unlike the uh, Operation Gunrunner under the Bush administration, the George W. Bush administration, where they actually followed the guns and did not let the cartels go away with the guns, they'd also informed the Mexican government that these guns were being sold and they put tracer chips hidden inside the guns so they would know where they were at any moment. They were all recovered. Fast and Furious did none of that. They didn't inform Mexico. They didn't put tracer chips in it. They just kind of let them buy the guns and go off into the ether. And those guns were used in a lot of murders in Mexico, as well as the murder of Border Officer Brian Terry. Now, the Obama administration claims no idea how this program started, where it came from. They first tried the, well, it's just a continuation of the Bush program. And they pretty successfully pointed out how the Bush administration didn't just say, here's some guns, go ahead, knock yourself out. They actually traced the guns. So that didn't work. Then they started stonewalling. When all else fails, simply refuse to answer. And Eric Holder, the attorney general, did refuse to answer. There was uh, an invoking of executive privilege with no explanation as to why it would be necessary and what exactly executive privilege is being used to protect when you're talking about the murder of Americans and Mexican citizens facilitated by the Attorney General of the United States. We don't know who started, who initiated Fast and Furious to this day. Eric Holder, again, was held in contempt of Congress because he refused to comply with congressional subpoenas. Yes, sounds familiar, doesn't it? These are the people that the Democrats want to prosecute now. They've, they've done the same thing. They're just looking at it going, well, this is the Holder rule, right? You get a subpoena and you say, well, that's neat, but I'm not interested. What do you do? Well, the uh, Loretta Lynch Justice Department and the Eric Holder Justice Department, believe it or not, decided not to prosecute (laughs) Eric Holder. But uh, Jeff Sessions did too. The Trump administration didn't prosecute him either. They've set this horrible precedent. But the stories about it were about how fast and furious the Justice Department, this program, it 's just a mystery, and it 's a horrible the, the limited number of stories they didn 't really want to cover those stories because the Biden, or the Obama administration was trying to institute gun control in the country at the time, and it would be a bad look if you're saying the American citizens need to have their rights curtailed, they should not be able to buy certain firearms while your administration is actively facilitating the purchase of those very same firearms by Mexican drug cartels. Not a super good look there. <clears throat> So they largely ignored the story. They ignored the whole thing, and when it was reported on, it was as if some rogue third arm uh, had something to do it. You know, you're sitting there going, well, my hands are clean. No, it was some rogue third arm that did that, the Obama administration said. And Barack Obama, by the way, for his part, pathetically, remember this, is at least three different scandals where he goes, well, I found out about it. We're in the newspapers. I, I don't know anything about this Fast and Furious thing. Oh, and I heard about how did I find out about the IRS targeting my political enemies? Well, I, I read about it in the Washington Post, of course. And all the media just said, well, that makes sense. We're that good. Well, wow, we're really good. When realistically, the follow-up question should have been, Mr. President, then why don't you fire your chief of staff and everybody in the food chain up to that point uh, who kept this information from you? You should never be surprised by a scandal within your own administration by reading it in the newspaper. That means there's a failure in the information coming to you. Of course, Barack Obama was lying. But that was his story, and he was sticking to it. That was his game. And the media said, oh, well... Barack Obama didn't find out about this until he read about it in the Washington Post. Therefore, there's no reason to inquire as to maybe whether or not anything he said got to Lois Lerner and caused the IRS scandal. Never do that or anybody in his inner circle. There's no way he just heard about it for the first time from the newspaper. And all intellectual honesty and journalistic curiosity went up in smoke like It was an honorary member of the Chum Gang. Quite a little trick there. So when you see these stories about inflation and the inflation numbers, you're going to hear a lot about Russia and Putin, which I just read you the chart shows you that this has been a long-term trend since May of last year, not a significant spike suddenly after the Ukrainian war. And then they will disconnect joe biden from inflation it will just be it's happening like the associated press u.s inflation soared 8.5 percent. it was oh it's the u.s it's your fault u.s us it's us it's our fault it's not joe biden's fault he's a saintly old man he just loves everybody and wants to sniff their hair this morning tuesday morning it was a possible terror attack In New York City. We don't know. Let's see. uh, As it develops, I'll just tell you what we know. Uh, The headline from the New York Post: at least a dozen injured in Brooklyn subway shooting during rush hour. At least a dozen people were injured Tuesday morning in a gruesome shooting in a Brooklyn subway station during rush hour, officials said. The bloody incident broke out around 8:30 a.m. at the 36th Street Station. For the D, N, and R lines in Sunset Park, Claire, a stenographer who witnessed the event while riding the Manhattan-bound N train, told the Post, "There were so many rounds fired off she lost count." It's a lot of pictures of the attack. It's developing now, as we know. So you've got to be uh, got to be wary of anything that happens in the. Uh, I'd say the next 12 hours at least, anything that's reported. But it is interesting. CNN is reporting, let's see, according to first responders, multiple people have been shot in a subway station in Brooklyn, and, quote, several undetonated devices have been found. According to preliminary reports, a male suspect possibly wearing a gas mask and an orange construction vest fled the scene and uh, some sort of unknown location following the attack in a Brooklyn subway station. CNN now says at least 13 people have been hurt in the New York City subway station. So as this develops, we'll definitely bring it to you. So she said she saw a man who she described as five foot five, black man around 170 pounds wearing an orange vest and a gas mask drop some kind of cylinder. That sparked at the top. Quote, I thought he was an MTA worker at first because I was like, I didn't pay much attention to him, you know? You've got orange on, she said. Now there's uh, a lot of graphic photographs going around on social media. People engaging in triage against the wounded. Shows people coming together, which is good, taking care of each other. There's a lot of smoke in some of the pictures. Maybe that cylinder that was dropped was some sort of... Gas canister. We don't know, but we'll definitely be watching this. And like I say, the description so far from one person is a five foot five black man around 170 pounds. That could change dramatically in the heat of the moment. Nobody knows anything, so that sort of stuff I would take with a grain of salt. But something horrible has happened in New York, and. Uh, I don't know. Uh, So far, I'm only seeing reports of people injured. Hopefully, that's all it is. Hopefully, they catch this creep and uh, kill him. Quite frankly, before he's able to do anything else to anybody else. Just, just saying, because this is unacceptable. Oh, I see. This also breaking stories from the Daily Wire. This is also out of New York. It doesn't have anything to do with the terror attack. So. I don't want to confuse people into thinking this is related, but it's also breaking news from the Daily Wire. Authorities arrested New York Democratic Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin on Tuesday morning on campaign finance-related federal charges. Two sources familiar with the matter told NBC News. According to ABC News 7, Benjamin surrendered himself to authorities Tuesday morning. The charges were reportedly in connection with a past campaign. Quote, the Lieutenant Governor who has been considered a rising political star after he was chosen by Governor Hochul, faces bribery and other charges. Channel 7 reported he is expected to appear in federal court in Manhattan sometime today. NBC News provided more details regarding his alleged crimes. Quote, his arrest comes after reports that Manhattan federal prosecutors and the FBI were investigating whether Benjamin knowingly engaged in a campaign finance fraud scheme Subpoenas were issued in connection with the investigation, two sources familiar with the subpoenas said at the time. The investigators also looked into whether Benjamin helped dole out state money to contributors and or their projects as part of the alleged fraud. Boy, it's a big day in news for New York. One's tragic and hopefully it is... uh, Hopefully it's over and hopefully it's contained and hopefully it is uh, limited to just people injured, although people being shot injured is nothing to sniff at. But uh, yeah, hopefully that all sort of clears up. All right, well, we'll move on and bring you up to date on anything else as it develops. It's just one of those things. This story is one of those things as well. You're sitting here and you're watching all these ridiculous stories of children, what schools are obsessed with. What do you hear about schools nowadays? What do you hear about schools these days? It's not excellence. It's not they're raising the bar. It's not they're really fighting to educate children. They're concerned. No, it is none of those things. It is straight up indoctrination, left-wing ideology being crammed into schools. Whether it's the trans agenda, which they feel compelled to tell five-year-olds about, or it is the dumbing down of high-achieving students. This story falls into the latter category, but we have stuff from the former category as well. Hot air. San Diego's largest high school cuts honors classes for equity. Don't you love that? Michelle Irwin, the principal of San Diego's largest high school, has decided to cut many of the school's honors classes. In an email sent to parents, Irwin explained she was doing this for equity. Irwin cut the courses for equity reasons, according to an email she wrote to parents. She told parents she wants to move away from stratifying classes and remove the stigma from non-honors courses. She has also cited racial disparities in honors course enrollment, a problem that is mirrored nationwide. Well, maybe teachers need to, I don't know, set the expectations a little bit higher for minority students and say, hey instead of looking at them and going you couldn't possibly succeed we couldn't expect you to learn at the pace of an asian kid or a white kid there's just no way maybe challenge those kids inspire those kids you're going to save every one of them no but you're going to do a hell of a lot better by them than you would going in going you guys are going to fail your whole lives let's just uh, not even kid ourselves and let's skip the learning process and start the grievance industry right here. Latino students made up 54 percent of California's public school students in 2017, but they represented only 43 percent of students who were enrolled in at least one AP course, according to the U.S. Civil Rights Data Collection. So what? Black students made up 6 percent of these states' enrollment, but just 4% of the students who were enrolled in at least one AP course. Well, then, let's screw over those 4%, huh? And let's screw over those 43%. They must be destroyed. I guarantee you, Asian students do a hell of a lot better than those numbers. A similar trend is happening at Patrick Henry, according to limited data presented by Irwin at the school council meeting earlier this year white and vietnamese students made up a disproportionately higher percentage of enrollment in honors american literature and honors u.s history while latino students were disproportionately lower according to irwin's data uh hand goes up i have a question might language barriers be an issue might language barriers be an issue just asking asking for a friend now you know california welcomes everybody open borders all the way and uh, they are welcomed in the schools might that be an issue yes of course it's an issue but it doesn't matter we must punish everybody The underrepresentation is a problem because enrollment in advanced courses is associated with a host of academic benefits, such as better attendance, fewer suspensions, and higher graduation rates. Participation and success in honors AP, honors and AP courses are also key factors in considering college admissions. So instead of, I don't know, trying to raise everybody else, besides this idea that everybody has to be represented at an equal percentage or somehow it's racism is one of the dumbest ideas the left has ever come up with. And that that is in a sea of dumb ideas where each little droplet of water is a dumb idea. Lord knows they've got a Pacific Ocean worth of stupidity out there in California alone. But instead, you just go, no, we will. there are people who are succeeding. Therefore, we must stop them from succeeding. Now, if you're a parent of a white or Vietnamese student, you've got no choice but to get your kid, especially if your kid's doing well, you've got to get your kid out of those schools. You, you have no choice. You've got to get your kid out of that school, period. If you're one of the 43% of the Hispanic students are in those, you've got to get them out of the schools. You've got to. If you're one of the 4% of black parents who have got their kids, you got to get the kid out of the school. The school is actively sabotaging you. Because two percentage percent points more, black kids are not in the advanced placement courses. Instead of telling teachers, look, you got to do a better job of teaching everybody. All right? Do a better job of teaching everybody. I don't care about the percentages of kids in the AP courses. I want a higher number of kids in the AP courses, right? Just save save 1,000 kids in this school, and we've got uh, 200 in the AP courses. I want to get that number to 500. Let's get that number to 500. I don't give a damn what color their skin is because I'm not a jackhole leftist. I want as many kids as possible learning as best they can at the fastest rate, at the highest level possible. Instead, they go, no, we've got to do this. Those kids over there are running too fast. They're swimming too fast. We've got to put 50-pound weights on them to slow them down. It is evil. It is evil. <sighs> Principal, let's see, uh, Hot Air. Who is this? this John Sexton. He looked up uh, Principal Irwin's biography and it, it just uh, it doesn't contain pronouns it should but everything else right there is there so this is from her biography her commitment to equity while we focus our on our teaching practices we must also focus on our equity lens it is essential for principals to ask why things are the way they are until we have all students graduate with integrity purpose and options. We need to critically look at our system and practices to find root causes of not meeting this simple goal. It's not a simple goal. It's an impossible goal. It's a Lake Wobegon goal. We want every child to be above average. Well, then there is, that's impossible. All means all. Dr. Bettina Love once said, quote, until we take the hand off their backs that is holding them down called racism, bigotry, and hate, they will not be able to rise. Hmm. Democrats control the schools. Democrats control this school. Democrats are harming black kids. And Democrats, to cover up their harming of black kids, want to harm every kid. Period. End of story. That's it. <sighs> Were honors classes races, and holding back some students? It seems Irwin thinks so. Not surprisingly, some parents are not happy about the change. Quote, parents who have the means to send their kids to other schools are doing so because they're losing faith that their kids will be prepared for success. Said Happy Felice Aston, a parent of a fourth and sixth grader in Patrick Henry High School. Parents are concerned that the course cuts will hurt their children's chances of getting into their preferred college. Honors courses boost grade point average with a weighted credit and college admissions officers consider how many advanced courses a student has taken. Irwin and district officials argued that the advanced and regular classes share a curriculum and are essentially the same. So district officials said it was disingenuous to have one class labeled advanced and another labeled regular. So stupid. While advanced classes may cover the same material as regular classes, advanced courses typically go faster at a faster pace and often cover more material and uh, go more in-depth into the content. I was... Oh, these are my confessions. I was an advanced course student. It's where I was, and everything but English. English with dyslexia just didn't click. But in everything else, I was in advanced math. I was in advanced history. Was all the other things that they offered, I was in the advanced classes. And you know what that did for me? It didn't, I don't know what the other classes were learning, but it made me more competitive with other people. I wanted to do better. I wanted to do. Well. I wasn't the best. Certainly, was never going to. I was an honor roll student. But I was never a consistent honor roll student until 10th grade when I got my first E in ninth grade. And then I got an A. And then I was like, oh, crap. I guess I should try. But um, you uh, you had these other people. You wanted to have, especially in history, which I loved, and in math, which I loved, you wanted to have the highest score. You wanted to know the most. And there were a lot of people, not everybody in that course, but a lot of people in those classes who wanted the same thing, and it elevated all of us, and never once, never once can I remember a teacher going, you, you people, this is unfair, you shouldn't be, or we're going too fast, we must slow it down, we must dumb it down for little Timmy over here in the corner, who's not getting it. The challenge was to Timmy, raise your game, raise your game, you weren't required to be there, and most times, Timmy raised his game. Timmy raised his game because he was challenged to raise his game. Instead of letting the air out of everybody else's tires in the Tour de France, Timmy just had to pedal harder. Now they want to you know, let the air out of everybody's tires and put rocks in their shoes in the name of equity, because they think there's no way that black and Hispanic kids can succeed. Well, it seems pretty clear that that's not true. Lower percentage points, 4%, but that's out of a 6% population. A two percentage point disparity ain't that much. If you can't overcome that, I question your teaching abilities. And with the Hispanic numbers, 54 versus 43. Well, 43% is a pretty significant number of Hispanic students doing quite well. Instead, the liberals are going to let the air out of their tires. Why? In the name of equity. For justice for Hispanics, they're going to punish Hispanics. For justice for blacks, they're going to punish blacks. In this racist country, they're going to punish Vietnamese most of all. Why? Because stop Asian hate or something like that. It's hard to follow these people's logic because they have no logic. They're just race hustlers, opportunists, and pretty gross. Not only do we have our uh, liberal friends trying to ruin the advanced placement of kids, thereby, you know, if, if I can't... It's the most selfish thing ever. If I can't have the future that I want, if this, then I'm going to ruin the future for everybody. If I don't get the results I want, I'm going to ruin the thing for absolutely everybody. It's what a selfish child does, but then in so many ways, what Democrats have devolved into is a selfish child and they're still running around going oh my god what about the poor trans children what about the poor sweet sweet nourishing trans children in texas they have a law that you cannot mutilate the body or permanently alter through hormones or drugs the physical well-being the physical being of a child you have to wait till they're 18 you have to wait till... imagine having to wait till you're 18 how many things do you have to wait till you're 18 for? The uh, butchering of your body seems like it should be one of them, right? But to the left, no, that's unacceptable. And so you get Chris Hayes last night over at MSNBC. he's going to be the only Rachel Maddow left at MSNBC soon. She's only she's I'll tell you in a minute. She's starting to work Mondays only. Mondays only. Um, Chris Hayes was talking about the situation. In Texas, passionately, imagine being this worked up
1: about it. And here's the most recent case study of what that looks like on the ground. In Texas, Governor Greg Abbott has found it helps him politically to be cruel to transgender children, to deny their very existence. And so the recent order he sent state officials is already hurting these children, their families and care providers. This order takes what used to be normal care for trans kids and classifies that care as child abuse in the eyes of the state. And Abbott has instructed licensed professionals like doctors or teachers to report claims of trans children receiving transition care. Again, a health care decision being made within a family by the parents of the kid and the state coming in and reporting it and ratting it out, adding that existing laws contain criminal penalties for not doing so. And this, in turn, is forcing state employees who work in family protective services to investigate these families for child abuse. Okay, showing up at people's homes, again, agents of the state under a Republican governor. They're showing up people's homes for the crime of allowing their child to receive crucial medical treatment under supervision of a doctor. Crucial medical treatment. While I don't I don't refuse Chris his
0: choices, there's no doubt that he's probably when he didn't transition. That's a guy? Never mind. Now, but I mean, let's be honest. The crucial medical choices, important medical, these are, um, these are kids having hormones injected in them because they, they feel confused as, as a teenager or preteen. And the state says, no, you got to wait until you're 18. You can live however you want, but to get anything done that is irreversible, you have to be an adult. Now, theoretically, they should wait until they're about 25 because that's when the brain fully forms and is fully functioning. But they're going to 18 because that's when you can vote and join the military and smoke and all that. So, okay, fine, whatever. You just need some time to pump the brakes. That is the cruelest of the cruel thing. What Chris Hayes and his ilk don't want you to know is about people for whom this was the wrong choice. It was the unfortunate choice, and it is an irreversible choice. And uh, there's one, surprisingly, today in the Washington Post, there is a column entitled, What I Wish I'd Known When I Was 19 and Had Sex Reassignment Surgery. It is these, one of these people who looks back at this decision. They were 19 years old when they made their decision. Is it common? I don't know. We don't know. We're not allowed to ask questions. We're not allowed to collect the data because to even acknowledge that somebody like this author exists is to otherize the trans community or whatever it is they say. But in reality, this person has a very interesting cautionary tale. There's a person named uh, Corinna Cohn, a software... Developer in Indianapolis and an officer in the Gender Care Consumer Advocacy Network. So I'm betting not a not a hardcore conservative. She writes, when I was 19 years old, I had uh, surgery for sex reassignment or what is now called gender affirmation surgery. The callow young man who was obsessed with transitioning to womanhood could not have imagined reaching middle aged. But now I'm closer to 50, keeping a watchful eye on my 401k and dieting and exercise in the hopes that I'll have a healthy retirement. In terms of my priorities and interests today, that younger incarnation of myself might as well have been a different person, yet that is the person who committed me to a lifetime set apart from my peers. There is much debate about transgender treatment, especially for young people. Others feel differently about their choices, but I know now that I wasn't old enough to make that decision. Given the strong cultural forces forces today casting a benign light on these matters, I thought it might be helpful for young people and their parents to hear what I wish I had known. Now this person, if that's a real name, is seriously risking massive backlash from the trans army. They are legion. They are not, uh, the trans part of it is not, but the people, the leftist, every leftist in the world, every progressive will sit there and say that this person doesn't exist and they will attack this person. I think that if the bio is true, and there's no reason to doubt it, this person's bona fides are beyond question, even for an MSNBC host. But I guess they'll probably ignore it. I once believed that I would be more successful finding love as a woman than a man. But in truth, few straight men are interested in having a physical relationship with a person who was born as the same sex as them. True. In high school, when I experienced crushes on my male classmates, I believed that the only way those feelings would be recorded was if I had altered my body. It turned out that several of those crushers were also gay. See, now this person's gay, but they're supposedly trans. See how they made a mistake? It turned out that several of those crushes were also gay. If I had confessed my interest, what might have developed? Alas, the rampant homophobia in my school during the AIDS crisis smothered any such notions. Today, I have resigned myself to never finding a partner. That's tough to admit, but it's the healthiest thing I can do. As a teenager, I was repelled by the thoughts of having biological children. Yeah, I was too I didn't want kids. I hated, I hated other people's kids still not a big fan of other people's kids but I wanted nothing to do with kids uh, boy was I wrong was I stupid but in my vision of adult an adult future I imagined marrying a man and adopting a child it was easy to sacrifice my ability to reproduce in pursuit of fulfilling my dream years later I was surprised by the pangs I felt as my friends and younger sisters started families of their own. See? You start taking those pills at 14, you're never, never having kids. Even if you change your mind before the surgery, you're going to screw up your body to the point that it's just going to be impossible or you'll uh, you'll do damage to the baby. The sacrifices I made seemed irrelevant to the teenager I was. Someone with gender dysphoria, yes, but also anxiety and depression. It's always... With something else. Have you noticed that? There's always this combination. And maybe it has to do with the combination. Maybe it has to do with he's gay and he's depressed and whatever. I don't know. But society is not allowing people to even ask those questions. Uh, I was not prepared for puberty nor the strong sexual drive typical for my age and sex. Surgery unshackled me from my body's urges, but the destruction of my uh, private parts introduced a, a different type of bondage. From the day of my surgery, I became a medical patient and will remain one for the rest of my life. I must choose between the risks of taking estrogen, or exogenous estrogen, which includes venous thrombosis and stroke. Good lord. Uh, venous thrombosis and stroke or the risk of taking nothing, which includes degeneration of bone health. In either case, my risk of dementia is higher, a side effect of eschewing testosterone. I never heard any of this. Have you ever heard any of this before? Any of these side effects? Did Chris Hayes talk about this? No, weirdly, he didn't. What I was seeking for, uh, what was I seeking for my sacrifice? A feeling of wholeness and perfection. I was still a virgin when I went in for surgery. I mistakenly believed that this made my choice more serious and authentic. I chose an irreversible change before I'd even begun to understand my sexuality. The surgeon deemed my operation a good outcome, but intercourse never became pleasurable. When I tell my friends, they're saddened by the loss, but it's abstract to me i cannot grieve the absence of a thing i never had it's really sad but uh were my where were my parents in all of this they were aware of what i was doing but by that point i had pushed them out of my life i didn't need parents questioning me or establishing realistic expectations especially when i found all i needed online the early 1990s something called the internet relay chat A rudimentary online forum allowed me to seek like-minded strangers who offered an an inexhaustible source of validation and acceptance, which is really all these kids want. And they're finding it where, where you're seeing it. Your teachers are telling you, this is the way. This is the way. This is the only way. And you go, I feel weird. I feel like an outcast. I can find acceptance over there. Do you really believe that? Do you feel that way? Or do you just want acceptance? And do you like the acceptance? We don't know. We're not allowed to ask. I shudder to think, she continues, of how distorting today's social media is for confused teenagers. I'm also alarmed by how readily authority figures facilitate transition. I had to persuade two therapists and an endocrinologist and a surgeon to give me what I wanted. None of them were under crushing professional pressure as they now would be to affirm my choice. That's another truism that I hadn't thought of. You actually had to really prove that you wanted it, that you needed it, that it was it was not just, uh, I want to do this because I want to see how the other half lives. I may well have transitioned even after waiting a few years. If I hadn't transitioned, I likely would have suffered from uh, the world in other ways. In other words, I'm still working out how much regret to feel, but I'm comfortable with the ambiguity. What advice would I pass on to young people seeking transition? Learning to fit in your body is a common struggle. Fad diets, body shaping, clothing, and cosmetic surgery are all signs that countless millions of people at some point have a hard time accepting their own reflection. This prospect of, uh, The prospect of sex can be intimidating, but sex is essential in a healthy relationship. Give it a chance before prematurely altering your body. Most of all, slow down. You may yet decide to make the change, but if you explore the world by inhabiting your body as it is, perhaps you'll find that love is more than you thought. uh, You'll find that you love it more than you thought possible. Wildly important piece in the Washington Post today on this issue. I am surprised they ran it. I am pleased that they ran it. I expect it to be dutifully and duly ignored. Maybe some conservative shows will try to find Corinna Cohn on and get her on. Uh, other liberal MSNBC, Chris Hayes, is much better at pontificating morality as he wishes it to be than he is the reality of other people's suffering. He's much better in the abstract. The, these leftists deal with things in the abstract, using only examples that suit their purposes and ignoring everything else. But there's something evil going on here, and this person is exposing a little bit of it. I highly recommend this piece in the Washington Post. It's entitled, What I Wish I'd Known When I Was 19 and Had Sex Reassignment Surgery. Check it out if you get the chance. I just saw this. I want to bring this to you because this is incredibly interesting. A professor up at Harvard, a professor of practice up at Harvard, has uh, been tweeting out these charts. His name's Jason Furman. He's been tweeting out these charts all day since the numbers and the inflation came out. And he found something very interesting. U.S. inflation remains much higher than the European inflation. A twelve month month change in uh, consumer price index is somewhat comparable measure of the two economies, so the US has consistently been four percentage points higher than Europe. So as whereas our inflation was 8.5%, Europe's right now is actually right around, right around 4%, four percentage points lower. And you look at the bar graph that he's compiled there and inflation has been significantly higher for the past 12 months, 12 months. Why? How? How is that humanly possible? The Putin price hike should have impacted. Is Putin just hiking prices in the United States? Is he able to do that? Would any of the economic geniuses at the White House care to explain how it is that Putin could somehow impact the cost of goods and services only in the United States with his miraculous price hike, but nowhere else? Of course, they can't. They can't explain it because it's not true. It's a bunch of garbage. But it is interesting to point out when these people are running around going, oh, it's the Putin price hike. It's the Putin price hike. Putin has nothing to do with the incompetence of the president of the United States. Well, I mean, I guess he does in the sense that he's been taking care of it. He's been taking advantage of it. Uh, senior advisor for communications, the president's economic council, a guy named Jesse Lee, is tweeting, Putin and Senator Rick Scott fully in lockstep and blaming Biden for Putin's price hike. So surprising. How is it, again, that only the United States has experienced Putin's price hike, Jesse? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Now it's weird how they suddenly went silent. Actually, they didn't go silent. They scrambled like cockroaches when you turn the lights on. That's what facts do to these people. Send them running for the hills. They don't know what it is, and they're scared of it. Seeing the uh, Tom Bevan over at Real Clear Politics puts all this Putin stuff in perspective. As the White House is trying to say that if, you're, if you don't buy the Putin price hike, you're in lockstep step with Putin. First of all, I think Vladimir Putin would be ecstatic, beyond ecstatic, at the prospect of being able to control prices in the United States of America for anything, let alone everything. I think he would love, he would revel in that and he would do all he could to go, you know what, if I've got this power, I'm going to make it worse. I'm going to make it worse. Because the Biden administration has taken a bunch of shots at him, justified shots, but they're weak shots remember the well, the, uh, the ruble is collapse the ruble did collapse it lost 30 percent of its value now it's back. now it's back, and you're sitting there going, "What the hell happened?" Maybe maybe we're not either either we're not as powerful as the uh, the Biden administration would like. They're not reporting on you know, the ruble being back or Biden is incompetent, and he was able to make a temporary bump in the road, but that's it. It makes you, still, it goes back to my belief that you're sitting there going, why the hell did we, if we have all these wonderful arrows in our quiver, why aren't we firing them? If we can really punish Putin, why didn't we punish Putin? Joe Biden had to be dragged kicking and screaming to punishing Putin to the extent that he punished Putin. It was the European Union that was out in front on all of this. But no, 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 this is is how the world works in any event um but uh tom Bevan from real clear politics puts this all in perspective it's hilarious Says new criticism of inflation is now being quote in lockstep with putin old criticism of hunter biden's laptop was russian disinformation really old hillary clinton had elections stolen from her thanks to russian interference these people love themselves they love their lies, their absolute lies, and they just stick with it. They stick with it and they get away with it. God, to be to be that much of a useful idiot to, to go along with this, who are these media people who are going to go along with this? Lord only knows, but they will go along with this sort of stuff. There is a, just a reminder again that the inflation started... When Joe Biden was elected, when Joe Biden started spending like a drunken soldier, sailor, whatever, and the supply chain collapsed and Mayor, Secretary Mayor Pete went on his uh, paternity leave and couldn't be bothered to do his job. All of it, all of it was gone. And they did nothing about it. Remember when they, it wasn't, if a government knew what the hell they were doing, they would have foreseen and warned <clears throat> and done more and headed off at the pass the empty grocery store shelves. Remember those? Remember the empty grocery store shelves? Not at the beginning of the pandemic when there was panic buying, but at the beginning of the Biden administration when there was incompetent management of the supply chain. For some weird reason, <clears throat> through the pandemic, through lockdowns, through everything worldwide, They were able to stock the grocery, they were able to keep it going. But afterwards, when Joe Biden comes in office, they weren't. And then they claimed they knew it was coming all along and they've been working to uh, mitigate these circumstances, which is weird. They failed miserably. The argument that they would make is the argument that leftists make all the time as well. Yes, it's bad, but we stopped it from getting worse. This dates back to Barack Obama and his so-called stimulus bill, his trillion-dollar stimulus bill, where he was saying, hey, uh, we didn't create any jobs, so we created this new unit of measure, jobs saved or created. Remember that, the jobs saved or created? I bring it up often because it was the most absurd unit of measure I've ever heard of. We saved or created 9 million jobs. You created none. So you're saying you saved 9 million. How do you prove you saved 9 million jobs? And their answer was, How do you prove I didn't save 9 million jobs? And the media just went with it. By the way, uh, one of the government, the Bureau of Labor Statistics charts, just if you want to know about where the inflation is in the grocery store. Twelve months over the course of the last year, cereals and baking products are up 9.2%. It looks like meat, poultry, fish, and eggs are up just shy of 14%, coming in at 7% as dairy and related products. I remember being able to go to a uh, there's a place out in uh, Damascus, Maryland where they have a Walmart, a Target and a uh, Wegmans. Wegmans is an awesome grocery store. So they have those three things sort of right near each other. And they would compete for the staples. You know, not for literal staples, but the the bread, the eggs, the butter, the milk, those things that people buy all the time, they would try and basically lure people in by having the lowest prices and you could give us down to like a buck 40 a gallon for milk. And now it's it's over three dollars. Last I saw it was over three dollars. It's amazing. I mean, they were pushing it. They were probably losing money on those sales, but I would make the special trip there because I knew that you could get when your kids live on, you think the kids are a cow. My God, they drink so much milk that uh, you you go, I got to buy seven gallons of milk. I will go to the place where I can get it for half price. And then you can get other things for half price. Eggs were cheap. All these things were really inexpensive. So why not? Sounds like a good idea, right? It's just insane. It's just nuts. Fruits and vegetables are up over 8%. Non alcoholic beverages. I don't know. Non alcoholic beverages and beverages. I don't know what the difference is there. That's up 8%. And other food at home is up over 10%. Vladimir Putin didn't have anything to do with your meat costs going up. Your cow juice costs going up. That's all Joe Biden. That's all supply chain. Oh, I suppose technically you could say, well, the cost of gas to transport. Sure, a little bit of that, the cost of gas to transport it. That's fine, whatever. But let's just be honest about what's going on here. This is incompetence on an epic scale like the world has never seen. And he has no clue whatsoever. I suspect Joe Biden, the next 24 hours, will come out and give some sort of talk about, oh, boy, howdy, he's going to do X, Y, or Z. He's going to solve the problem. He's going to do this. Or Actually, no, he'll come out and blame Vladimir Putin. Because that's all they've got. That's all they've got. Truth is not your friend. When truth is not your friend, lie. And one of their biggest liars, this story is amazing. One of their biggest liars on the left is hanging it up, sort of. Rachel Maddow. Mediaite has the story. Rachel Maddow returned to her eponymous show Monday following a two-month hiatus, but she announced a major change. She will only host the show one night per week beginning in May. you imagine that kind of power, that kind of ability? You know what? I'm only going to work one day a week. By the way, she just got a $30 million contract and she's done. Quote, it's nice to be back, she said, opening her show. I've been away from the show for a few weeks. I took a hiatus to give myself a little rest and also to work on some other MSNBC projects. I've got cooking. I'm really grateful for it. I know it's an unusual thing to get in this business, but I'm very grateful to MSNBC and the president for letting me do it. I'm profoundly grateful to the staff of this show for keeping everything running. We're doing such great work. What is this we're doing crap? The host praised her network colleagues, Allie Velshi, who's been filling in for her since she left, to develop Big Man or Bagman. No, it's Big Man. I thought it was Bagman. Into a film with Ben Stiller and Lorne Michaels. She then addressed the potential for another hiatus, which she hinted at before she took a break in February. You imagine you go into your boss and you say, I want a new contract and I only want to work one day a week, but I want a significant raise. Rachel Maddow draws flies relative to her competition at nine o'clock. Oh Yes, she's the highest rated show on MSNBC and she's higher rated than... The, what is the garbage that they have? Don Lemon now, I guess it's like old Don Lemon all the time over there at CNN. But uh, compared to Fox, compared to HGTV, to, compared to the Cartoon Network, she draws nothing. And she's getting $30 million a year to work one day a week at her leisure because she feels burned out. Because that working one hour a day largely from home can really take its toll on you pathetic. But you know what? She's the uh, Tokyo Rose of the left. She is the big voice in the propaganda fight over there on the left. Losing her is going to crush a lot of their spirits. I think that's why Ginger Goebbels is leaving. They're trying to groom her to take over four days a week for Rachel Manow. They all deserve each other. Couldn't happen to nicer people. Hopefully they all fall flat on their faces and everything gets ruined. That's just me. I wish them well. Nothing but the best Worse nothing. God, I'm looking at Twitter and I see this thing, and I just think, what the hell's wrong with society? What's wrong with the press? Celebrity press is worse than regular press. Political press, significantly worse than regular press. The Daily Mail celebrity, because they all they all have their own media divisions that cover themselves, and then they have a whole bunch of people who've taken up residency at the rear ends of celebrities. Of the moment. They love building them up and they love crashing them down. And Rihanna, Rihanna the singer, is pregnant. I don't know if you live under a rock, you might not have known that, but you would have thought that the uh, baby Jesus was inside her womb, the amount of coverage that this story has gotten. And now they're sitting there, like, I, I wish Rihanna well. I have nothing against Rihanna. I don't care one way or the other about her pregnancy. It, I hope the baby's fine. That's it. The same way I hope other people I don't know who are pregnant are fine. But the, there she is on the cover of Vogue, right? Pregnant. It's now a rite of passage if you're in the music industry. you got to get a, a semi-nude photograph of you pregnant and put it on the cover of a magazine. And now you'd think the, the caption should be, look at me, because that's everything that they do. But instead, Rihanna refuses to be ashamed of her changing body during pregnancy. Oh my God, she's a hero. Golf clap for Rihanna. She refuses to... You mean that the chick in the, the lace outfit on the cover of Vogue is, you know, however many months pregnant she is, who cares? Is proud of her? Who cares? Are there people running around going, you need to be ashamed of your body while you're pregnant? Get on a treadmill, fatty. I don't think there are. They'd never be able to get anybody pregnant because nobody would have anything to do with them if they were that type of person. God, what the hell's wrong with us? In, in other In other media news... In the you file this one under it couldn't happen to nicer people. <laughs> it couldn't. It couldn't happen to nicer, more deserving people. The poor people over at CNN Plus. It's just not working out for them. There are uh, Axios has the story. Big cuts coming for CNN Plus after slow start. Has this thing even been on in a month? I don't know that this has been on a month that investment and projections for CNN Plus are expected to be cut dramatically in response to low adoption rate. Two sources tell CNN. A low adoption rate. Do you ask yourself this question? It's not always the best unit of measure. It's a little Pauline Kale. I don't know how Nixon won because I don't know anybody who voted for him. But it is worth asking something like this. Do you know anybody who signed up for CNN Plus? Do you know anybody? Now, here in Maryland, Brian Stelter has families, so, but I assume he comped them. I assume he's got to comp them. I don't know. And it says, uh, yeah, two sources tell Axios. The news giant this is a news giant in physical size only. Was initially planning to invest around $1 billion in the service over the next four years. $1 billion. Good Lord. Hundreds of millions of dollars are expected to be cut from that original investment total. To date, this is hilarious. To date, around $300 million has been spent on the subscription service, which includes a sizable marketing investment. I haven't seen any, I haven't been looking for any commercials and I haven't really watched any CNN in a long time. And I guess I have seen a couple of things on various websites for banner ads, but how do you spend... A sizable portion of 300 million. You got to figure 50 million at a minimum. How do you spend 50 million dollars on marketing CNN Plus? Join us, pay to watch what you're not watching for free. How they thought this was a good idea, I don't know. They should do. They should take a page from Fox, honestly, uh, and just give it away to just about anybody who wants it. Make some bogus. Ca- oh, we want to. We want to help first responders. We want to help soldiers. We want to help teachers. We want to give this to uh, college students. We want to. Do- and you say we'll give you a free year to this because you're just so awesome, and people will sign up, and then you get to say, "Hey, look, we've got this many people subscribing." That's the only that's the way all of these things work. Netflix is the only one I know that's truly organic where people just signed up because it was a cool service and people wanted it. I don't know anybody who goes, "I need more Fox." You got a DVR if you desperately need more Fox. You go, what? it's on 24/7. Like what do you what do you need more of it for? What do you need more for all of these things for? I I need more Disney. Well, or I need more, what are some of the other, I don't even know what the other ones are. I just know that I get uh, emails from my cell phone service going, you have a phone with us, we want to give you six months free of whatever. And I look at it, and I, I, I don't really want six months free of that, or my wife has already fallen for it, so it's already logged in on all the Apple TVs around the house, so I don't need to do that. But it is one of those things where, like, you just sign up, just get them on there, get headcount. I'm watching this uh, show on Apple Plus. Speaking of things that you get for free if you buy an iPhone or earbuds or anything like that, the show called what the hell is it called? We we crashed. It's Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway. It's based on a true story. It's actually really entertaining. You sit there and you go, this. This guy, this Adam Newman guy is, boy, how, he's one of the all-time great BSers. Just one of the all-time great, if he's anything like this. you, you got to sit there and you look at it. I watched the, the episodes, it's seven, six episodes so far. And you watch it and you go, my God, none of these people with money are going, you're, you're not giving me a straight answer. I need an answer. I don't need your BS. None of them say that. I don't know how true to life that is, but at least in the fictionalized version, you just sit there and you go, my God, what the hell's wrong with these people around? I get there are BSers. I've known BSers, many BSers in my life, but somebody usually calls them out on it, especially when they're trying to get millions and millions and billions of dollars out of people. It's just like watching this show reminds me of watching the movie The Doors. I got into some criticism before by mentioning my disdain for jim morrison i don't know the real jim morrison but my disdain for the jim morrison as portrayed by val kilmer written by oliver stone that jim morrison you watch that movie the doors and you i know people love it but i watch it and i go why doesn't somebody just smack that guy what the hell's wrong with these people somebody go over it's 10 in the morning Take the Jack Daniels away from him. He's been hammered and blasted, and he's on acid. Maybe tell him, sit him down, maybe lock him up. Do an inter- I realize it was long before interventions, and it was a different time. But in the late 60s, they still had to know that alcoholism was real, right? And you had to stop drunks from drinking and junkies from junking. But no, they just all kind of said, well, that's Jim being Jim. Hey, we're all here and ready to go. But Jim's over there in a pile of his own bodily excretions. Sitting on the floor, oh, that's just Jim. What are you going to do? Let's wait for him to stand upright in a couple of hours, and then we'll see if we can't get him to screech about his fire being lit. God, I just watched that. Every time I watch that movie, I think, who would want to be associated with this guy? Who? Would... I'd want to beat the hell out of him. It's the same for this guy in this, this series where you're just sitting there and you're going, you're losing two million dollars a day your company is losing two million dollars you're losing it and you go well we need to lose more money it's the only way to grow and you're like is there nobody here who took economics 101 is there nobody here so you sit there and you look at cnn and they're sitting around for the pitch meeting for cnn plus and they go look i realize nobody's watching us nobody's we're offering it for free we're literally on every cable system in the country because we're the oldest cable news we you can't get a cable system you can't even get the most basic thing seven channels without one of them being CNN we've got that massive access to the audience and the audience is actively choosing to stay away from us like we smell like a litter box so i've got an idea why don't we charge people for the service as well why don't we why don't we invest a billion dollars to create a parallel thing that's more of the same that people aren't watching for free, but it's online, you see. We can do that. And then it will be wonderful. And you're sitting there going, nobody in the room says, this is an epically bad idea. No shareholder at Time Warner says "Uh, no. Nobody at Discovery Networks, which is buying this mess, says hey uh, since we're buying you why don't you pump the brakes on this billion dollar boondoggle nobody says anything i mean i don't personally care it couldn't happen to a nicer group of people i hope they go broke i want to give you an I update on covid numbers as we've been doing because just to keep you abreast of what's going on we've got uh Last year, it's a seven-day rolling average again because reporting numbers in a regular interval is becoming a bridge too far, apparently, for so many. Uh, The seven-day rolling average from a year ago was 69,490 cases per day. Now we're at 33,021 on average, which is good. It's good. It's lower. It's less than half, a little bit less than half. And in this case, the death numbers correspond a year ago, with those 69,000 new cases per day on average, there were 1,000 deaths, 995 per day, whereas the average seven day total now is 498 deaths per day. With that in mind, if you happen to live in the city of brotherly love or are planning to go there anytime soon, pack a mask. Associated Press, Philadelphia has become the first major U.S. city to reinstate its indoor mask mandate on Monday after reporting a sharp increase in coronavirus infections with the city's top health officials saying she wanted to forestall a potential new wave driven by an Omicron subvariant. If you could cite one instance of how masks worked anywhere. On Earth, I would very much appreciate it, but they don't. They can't. And even questioning that will get you banned from social media. Confirmed COVID 19 cases have risen more than 50% in 10 days. The thresh- threshold at which the city's guidelines call for people to wear masks indoors, says she- Cheryl Buttigol. Betigol. Buttigol. I don't know. Gol. Uh, The health commissioner. Health officials believe the recent spike is being driven by the highly transmissible BA two subvariant of Omicron, which has spread rapidly throughout Europe and Asia and has become dominant in the U S. in recent weeks. They're acting so. I'm sitting there and I'm going, "It's weird. Fifty percent increase. A fifty. If they're basing it on a percent increase, that's really." weird unit of measure if you get it down to one case and then the next day you get two cases you have experienced a 100% increase it's not really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to base it on that so i had to dig down dig down and you get down to near the middle of the story and then you finally begin to see some some numbers now I don't know what the numbers were before. So Philadelphia ended its indoor mask mandate on March 2nd, and Betegul announced it was wonderful to see that sense of normalcy again. Confirmed cases have since risen to more than 140 per day. Still a fraction of what Philadelphia saw at the height of the Omicron surge, while only 46 patients are in the hospital with COVID-19. The CDC says community spread in Philadelphia remains low, a level at which the agency says the masking can be optional. So, what you're looking at 140 people per day is not 140,000 people per day, it's 140 people per day. Let's see. Philadelphia population. What is the population of Philadelphia? 1.579 One point five seven nine million people. Just call it. We'll round down. One and a half million people. Hundred and forty people per day. You couldn't even really do that math. I would. It would be decimal point. Blah blah blah. But it shows just how. Look, we've got an election coming. Not, not being wildly cynical. But what else do Democrats have? Honestly. What else do Democrats have other than scaring the hell out of you? We're keeping you safe from this thing you can't see and from people you don't know. We will protect you. Just follow our lead. Do what we're told. And oh, by the way, as we gear up for an election, we need to reinstitute or extend or whatever, depending on your locality, the idea of vote by mail. We must have unlimited, unfettered absentee balloting in the name of justice or whatever because we are still in the midst of a pandemic. And there's no better symbol to remind people that we are in the midst of a pandemic than looking around and seeing people's faces covered. Seeing people's faces covered. That is the constant reminder of remember how you were scared to death before you're starting to feel a little comfortable now joe biden's poll numbers are in the toilet democrat policy ideas are wildly unpopular what are we going to do we need to scare the hell out of people again and we need to be ready just in case to rig the vote we need to have that covering fire to rig the vote just in case because you never know not surprising Not surprising at all, but still pathetic. 140, look, optional, optional. You want to wear a mask, wear a mask. We were in, uh, it, it was Saturday afternoon. We went to downtown Frederick. And we were walking around and, uh, you know, went into some record stores, went into some overpriced chocolate. It's good chocolate, but it was overpriced chocolate. And then we're going to go into this comic book store. And right there on the door is masks are required in here. I didn't curse the place. I didn't open the door and go, you Nazi Karens, go to hell. No, I said, all right, well, I, even if I just wanted to check it out, I didn't have a mask on me. I wasn't carrying. It was a beautiful day. We were outside. I couldn't have gone in if I wanted to. Uh, but you know what? They didn't get my money. There were a couple of other places, One, another different chocolate shop, that uh, had the same thing. Wear a mask inside. It's their property. They're paying the rent. It's their store. Knock yourselves out, but I'm not, I don't have a mask on me when I'm outside. I wouldn't plan on going anywhere. We just stopped by as a lark, but it, uh, I'm all in favor of that. The government saying, no, you must operate this way. You must exist this way is where you lose me and where you'll always lose me. And I think where you lose most of the people, but they're not doing it to try and gain people. They're doing it to scare the hell out of people so that they can then justify rigging the election again this story lastly at the uk sun i don't even know what to make of this i'm just seeing the headline uh metaverse experts reveal if you can murder someone in the virtual world and whether you can be punished if you're violent (laughs) the sun spoke to two lawyers who have written about crime in the metaverse the metaverse for those of you who don't know you're too busy living in the real world is the virtual world maybe we'll get more into this tomorrow if you can get if you've ever played i don't know how you don't get violent in the metaverse to be honest with you having played hours and hours and hours of grand theft auto i know that after you put that thing down you want to go and drive down a sidewalk and you're like i got to no can't drive down a sidewalk can't do that i can't imagine what it's like to live in this virtual world where everybody looks like a cartoon by the way and you can live as an animal and you might as well walk up to random people and just have do get your aggression out i know they say well the aggression that people bring in there they could bring it out to them in the real world i think if you're some sort of monster like whoever this jackass is in new york this monster in new york who i hope is dead by now instead of going on a rampage in reality go on a rampage in the metaverse okay just go on a rampage in the metaverse and get that out it's like going to those asian restaurants japanese restaurants where they smash the plates You get that frustration out. You scream and smash the plates. You go into the metaverse. You scream and smash the plates. And then you get to eat off of your fine china. That's just my thoughts. I could be wrong, but I'm not. Anyway, we're out of time for today. Thank you for listening and sharing and telling a friend and all the support that you do. We'll be back here tomorrow. Have a great day.